You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hey everyone, Luke Hector from The Broken Meeple here for another podcast episode. How are you guys doing? Hope you're doing fine. Yeah, it's been a long week, certainly, definitely, but I took a break last week. I mean, there was still a podcast episode, but I took a break from Saturday to Tuesday, well, Wednesday morning, technically, and visited some family up north. Uh, My brother lives up there with his partner and uh, her two kids, and basically all us family the immediate family went up there to stay with them for a few days it's the first time we'd been together in three years no kidding last time we were all in the same location at the same time was at my other brother's wedding so that's going back a bit otherwise typically christmas and all that there's usually at least one brother missing usually the one from up north because of distance and him having to deal with the family up there as well so it's certainly a bit of an experience and it was a nice sort of break. I got a bit of rest throughout it, but me with kids usually does end up being a little bit more stressful than I would like. But, you know, other than that, it was just very nice to see the family. You know, it was quite emotional leaving at the end of Wednesday, like, oh, I've got to say bye to everybody. And then as I'm driving off, I'm like, we're not going to get this opportunity for at least another year. Oh, and it's like nearly bringing a tear to my eye. I really was not happy about leaving. But Sadly, work would not extend my holiday because I tried to extend it at the last minute. And even then, I was planning to go to the Yorkshire Dales for some hiking, which I'm glad I didn't do anyway because it is so frighteningly hot at that work time. You know, even up north, it was ridiculously hot. When I got back down south, the gauge in the car went up to 35 degrees, which I know for you Americans is uh, Arctic weather. But for us in the UK with no air conditioning outside of a car, it's uh, pretty nasty. And I live in new build property. This is like built only a few years ago, which means it's uh, well insulated. So in the winter, all I have to do is put the heating on for about 30 minutes and I'm nice and toasty, or at least warm enough that I care because I tend to not feel the cold very much. But I feel the heat drastically like I'm really bad with the heat and to come back to an oven effectively a sauna or an oven whatever I might as well have been cooking in here you might as well have stuffed an apple in my mouth and laid me on a platter because it pretty much was cooking me from the inside it was pretty unbearable and it's still hot now I mean it's still a good 20 something degrees inside the house I'm still hot in this t-shirt and the window can't be open for noise uh, insulation from outside while recording this so it's already pretty hot and I've even got a coffee in my hand some Brazilian decaf and whew, you know I'm kind of whew, struggling with the heat but it is cooling down we're getting rain uh, the temperature should be normalizing now certainly this week it should be going down to the low 20s and I'll be more than happy with that that's as much as I want the summer to go but the sooner we get into autumn the better I am very much an autumn person. I much prefer autumn and spring. Winter I'm fine with because all you do is put on extra layers, big whoop. You know, I find it's easier to combat the cold than it is to combat the heat because all I've got to do in the winter is go, ah, that cool long brown coat I have. All right, I'll put that on when I go outside. Oh, I'll just put the heating on slightly. Yeah, that's fine. But in the summer, we can't cool down. We can't strip off all our clothes, go around naked and expect that to cool us down instantly. We'll still be hot. We just won't look the part, and certainly I won't look the part if I do that. But it's just summer is unbearable for me. I just really don't like it. Everything's expensive. Everywhere's too hot. You know, apart from one really nice holiday in Austria, and I would probably get a kick out of going to Iceland or Scandinavia in the summer where it's a bit cooler. I can't. I don't like to go anywhere really in the summer. It's just too hot for me, and that's why I'm glad I didn't go hiking because I didn't. We went on a small hike well, with the family, and it was kind of like you know, 28 plus degrees, and it was unbearable. I mean, I would not wanted to try and tackle the Yorkshire Free Peaks with that kind of heat. It just would be ridiculous. So I'm going to resume this in September, late September, when I go back up to the same family for uh, her his partner's 40th, belated 40th birthday, thanks to COVID. 
and I will extend the trip and make it a Yorkshire Free Peaks hike then. Autumn is the perfect time to go walking. The colour, the nature, browns and reds everywhere with autumn leaves and that as well. I mean, green's my favourite colour, but autumn just paints a very pretty picture. But it will also be cooler. All I've got to do is put on an extra jacket. Whoopie-doo. It won't be too wet. It will be nice weather and it won't be too expensive either. So that should be really nice. But yeah, what exactly is the point of this podcast episode? Well, I want to talk about the games that I was playing with the family up there, just my thoughts on those games, how they got you know, appreciated by the family because some of them were learning it for the first time and kind of my thoughts on how family gaming, certainly for me, differs greatly from playing with gamers and some of the pitfalls that that uh, rose up when I was doing it with them. But first, I just want to make a few channel announcements. Firstly, I probably am going to revert to bi-weekly for this podcast. I know I said I was going to do it weekly and that should be fine, but there's a couple of things that have come up. Firstly, my job has given me a kind of a like ultimatum performance-wise at it. Not to say I'm doing a bad job or anything, but there are things I can improve on. And the problem has been that since COVID started, we've been on a backlog. We had 20% of our hours taken away with 100% of the workload. We are understaffed. We're overworked. And it sounds like I should quit the job immediately. But no, the job does give me some interesting work to do. And it's not really the job's fault. It's more COVID's fault, plus maybe the overlords who bought us out. You know, I wasn't a big fan of the takeover, but uh, these things happen in business. But the job is still good. I like it and I still want to be there. But I do have to shape up a few things to get to that managerial level that I'm supposed to be at. You know, they've got plans for what they're trying to groom me into. They sound cool. I have stated that I wanted to progress the career, maybe not quite to partner level. I think that would be a bit ridiculous, but certainly, you know, to be a decent manager level in a big firm of accountants, you know, would be cool and it pays well. So I don't want to mess things up, but it does mean I need to put in the effort to make certain that I do that effort in the job and that might mean doing some extra hours in order to keep up the workload but that's not the main reason the other main reason is that i want to do other content on this channel uh, i've got videos that i want to try and squeeze into the week but the problem is i don't know when to squeeze them in i've got to do top 100 streams soon and certainly it does look like i'll be doing that on live stream format but i'm doing these streams uh the ones like i did the other day uh the uh, in fact, I can bring it up on the screen now for you. This is my recent stream I did yesterday night, in fact, uh, on s Saturday night. This is me going through the Board Game Geek Top 100, and I've done the first 50. The stream took a bit longer than I thought. I thought it was only going to take me about an hour to do it. It took me about an hour and a half because I stayed for some questions at the end. And also, you get... I. I don't do live streams where I just do what I'm doing and then leave the chat alone. I do live streams where I'm into I'm in interacting with the chat as well. And therefore, I wanted to talk to, you know, these I mean it's not like there were tons of people watching, you know, less than 100 probably, um but these are very cool people. I mean, some of them board game ramblings is in there, you know, one pit wonder, uh, you know, two loyal followers of mine, John Stone and Yvonne Stone, you know, there's some people here I recognize from Twitter and gaming and other creators, and they're very good at chatting on here. I mean, you can see that the chat is going at a decent rate. I can keep up with it. People are interested to hear what I've got to say. I'm interested to hear what they say because our opinions will differ on what I think of these games. And the stream was good fun. So that I do urge you to go and see. Uh, it's doing pretty well so far in terms of views. Uh, you know, 740 already in just in less than a day. That's pretty good going for this channel at the moment because the YouTube algorithm seems to be screwing me over at the moment and getting my content out there. But yeah, this was a good, good stream to do. And I look forward on Monday evening at 8 o'clock BST, British Standard Time, to go through the top 50 where you will likely hear more rants because I will be now doubt getting into ones that I think are overrated. But yeah, so that should be good. But the thing is, I've got other content I want to do as well. I've got two videos I want to put out, as well as having to get the third part of my board game glossary done, which has had good feedback as well, even if the views don't seem to be justifying it. But, uh, you know, people are finding it useful, so I'm going to stick with it. But the, the problem is I need to fit that in as well as the top 100s. But I've also got two other videos I want to put out. I've rendered them and they're ready to go out, although I do need to record maybe a promo for one, because the uh, channel promotions that I'm doing need to start coming in at some point. And once I record the next piece of video content, I can slot them in. But with the pre-rendered stuff, I can't do that yet. So be patient. They are coming. But 
I've got a Citadel's Movers and Shakers episode where I talk about how it's gone up in my rating. And I've also got a Ticket to Ride mini box expansion uh, comparison where I talk over what the differences are with London, New York and Amsterdam and give my verdict as to which one is the best of the three. But the problem is I need to squeeze that in somewhere. And I was planning to only do one video a week, but I can't do a video a week and the podcast and put those two videos out in the same week because they need to go out at some point and keep that up on a regular basis because then I'll be back to the whole burnout thing of trying to do four videos a week or four pieces of content a week and it's too much. I don't want to hit burnout again. So I figured that I can squeeze more videos in on certain weeks if I do a podcast every other week. And this is, you know, I'm not going to do a monthly podcast. I don't want to go back to the monthly thing. I don't think that worked last time. And certainly I think you guys don't want that either. So I think bi-weekly will guarantee that I don't run out of topics to talk about, but it will also mean that the podcast is regular enough so that you guys can get your fill from it. So hopefully that's okay with you, uh, but I do need to think about job first, you know, because unless I win the lottery the next day or I get a thousand Patreons in the next, uh, you know, well, a thousand decent Patreons in the next few days, that's not really going to be a thing where my job is this block. So I've got to put that first. And I need to also get my social life in check because it's hard to get a lot of my social life you know, under wraps when you're trying to balance everything as well. Bear in mind, I effectively have three lives, my social life, the blog, and my job. I would love to be doing this as my full-time job, but like I say, give me another thousand Patreons or make me win the lottery and maybe that will be a thing. But all in all, that should be fine. But those videos should come out very soon. I will get on to recording the board game glossary part three, possibly today. It's a bit hot, I must admit, but I probably will don the uh, the polo shirt and, you know, because it is uncomfortable wearing those in extreme heat. And we'll probably get that recorded soon. I don't think it's going to be one that I'll release this Wednesday. I think I will release the Ticket to Ride comparison video and the Citadel shaker this week as well, you know, to make up for the fact that there's no podcast. I've also got the stream on Monday. So I think the Board Game Glossary Part 3 will come next week. Not this week, but next week. And that should be pretty good. And then obviously I can, with a bi-weekly podcast, I should be able to put in the extra bit of video content that I want to put in to, you know, keep the channel nice and variety and fresh. So that's mainly it for channel updates. So what's the deal with the games that I took to the family? Let's get on with the plot. Well. I have a few favorites that I take along anyway, and they already own some of the ones like Ticket to Ride and Splendor, which I've already pretty much ingrained into their heads. And also uh, Baron Park as well is one. So those three are already ingrained as favorites with the whole family. They've all played it. They all love them and perfect. You know, So no problems with those. Certainly, if you've got family members, I highly recommend Splendor. Uh, you know, in fact, in case you haven't heard of these games, let's actually make use of this deluxe podcast format and talk a bit more about them briefly so splendor is an engine building game so simple literally i recommend this to people at dice portsmouth cafe all the time whenever there's two people who've never played games before and they're like oh what game would you say that would be good for us that we've never like we don't know what we're learning and it's like well you know splendor for a kickoff you know you can literally teach yourself in five minutes or i could teach you to it teach you it in 60 seconds and it works great but this amazing like little engine builder that's just so simple so colorful easy to play even my parents can get it and let's face it that's saying something and certainly one that will go over well with families in general uh, Baron Park is my favorite polyomino style laying game. I don't know why they still call it Baron Park. Why couldn't they just call it Bear Park? But, you know, regardless of what, I mean, call it Baron Park in Germany, yes, but why couldn't it have been translated overseas? Because now you've got Baron Park, the bad news bears, and that's just a weird expansion. But Baron Park is a great polyomino game. Very simple as well. You basically place your polyominoes on the on your board to cover up little symbols, uh, track, uh, cement mixers and wheelbarrows. You use those in order to get more tiles. The points are diminishing returns, so get them early or they're gone. And then you basically just try to cover up four boards as you build up your park and try and be as efficient as possible. Dirt simple, few little objective tiles to spice things up. The expansion makes it a little bit above family weight, I think. It's, you know, the extra mechanics in it will probably confuse family members, but I still like it. It's good. I just would probably do it more with gamers. But the base set, perfectly fine. They enjoy it. I enjoy it. It definitely goes down a treat. 
And do I really need to show you Ticket to Ride? I mean, who doesn't know Ticket to Ride by now? But just in case you've never heard of Ticket to Ride, the quintessential gateway game that should be in everybody's collection. There's always at least one map pack that somebody will like, unless you despise Ticket to Ride. But seriously, how can you despise Ticket to Ride? It's just a nice, simple family game. But this one has you connecting routes on a map. You're basically just collecting cards, colored cards, a bit like Rummy, and playing these cards in order to place your trains on the map. You connect up cities, you complete more points, the bigger tracks get you more points, you can block each other, dirt simple, so easy to do, and the map expansions give you a lot of variety. These three I would probably recommend first over pretty much every other family game just because they're that good. But what else did I take? Mm, nice bit of coffee. What else did I take? Well, this one's a minor bit of a cheat because technically half my family has already played this one, but the other half who I... In fact, a little bit of background on where I went as well, actually, before I get stuck in. Uh, they, they live just outside a place called... I think it's called Guisborough. I'm not sure, or Geisborough. I don't know how you pronounce it up there in Yorkshire, but it's G-U-I-S-B-O rough. So G-U-I-S Bo Ruff, you know, I don't know how exactly how you pronounce it, but it's a nice little place in, I believe, North Yorkshire way, uh, just to the south east of Middlesbrough. And this is not where my uh, brother's house is, so do not uh, try and locate him there. He's somewhere in this area. But it's just a nice little fairly rural area. You know, there's some nice countryside. Uh, we went to, we walked up something called, uh, what was it called? Rosebury Topping. I don't know exactly where... It is on this map. Um, there's Captain Cook's monument, but Rosebury Topping is somewhere around here. And it was a, you know, it's just a nice little sort of peak. It was an easy walk. I enjoyed it. Had some challenging bits at times, but mainly just because it was too hot. We also went to Saltburn, uh, which is down here. It's a beach along the coast. I walked up this little bit here on the, on the cliff. And Saltburn was just a very nice beach area. I mean, they need more car parks down by the coast where this is because there just plainly wasn't enough. But we stayed here. We had some time. I'm not the biggest fan of going to the beach because I don't tend to go swimming in the sea and I don't care about sandcastles and playing cricket on the sea like they were and that. But it was nice to get out, get a bit of sun, go for a walk on the cliffs myself. That was fine. And of course, we got fish and chips and ice cream, which the fish and chips there were very nice. They got some award-winning fish and chips from a place that we queued for ages outside of. But... They were pretty nice chips, although were they worth a 40-minute wait? Not so sure. And ice cream. Who doesn't like ice cream? If you don't like ice cream, what's wrong with you? Ice cream is amazing. It is my vice. I could eat two tubs of ice cream without any trouble, no matter how full up I am. And that is half the reason why I am so fat. Okay, it's not half the reason. It's one of about 50 million reasons why I'm fat. But uh, it's still, that is a bit of a vice with me. But yeah, so that's a five-hour trip for me. Because if you imagine that that's where Goisborough is, if I zoom out on the map even more, here's the UK in all its uh, uninspiring glory. I live down here, right down here. So you can imagine that all the way up there is a long journey. And it is. It's about five and a bit hours. Takes me a while. I was exhausted on the way back. I mean, I was struggling to stay awake by the last couple of hours. And bear in mind, this is decaf, so I don't drink caffeine in this stuff anymore. I'm almost at the point where I might have to start coming back to caffeine, but I don't want to. I put all the effort in quitting caffeine and resorting to only decaf drinks and herbal teas. But to suddenly go, right, I'm going to have a, a caffeinated drink again, just feels like I'm giving up. But I do struggle to get the energy to do stuff a lot of the time. I'm tired. I don't go to bed early enough. And... Caffeine helped, but taking that out, I'm struggling to find the energy elsewhere. But that's for another conversation. So what else did I show? Well, Sushi Go Party. I mean, Sushi Go Party is a, a great little drafting game. You know, Seven Wonders is great, but you need the expansions. And once you put expansions with it, it's no longer family weight. But this goes down so well with me, like, no matter what. It's just so simple drafting. You can use the base set menu, which is easy enough to do. And, you know, that basically mimics the card game version. The party version basically allows you to go up to eight players and gives you all these different options on the menu to say, oh, I want to use a tempura with eels and tofu and green tea ice cream and soy sauce and special orders and a takeout box. You know, you can really create some interesting combinations. And the new family up there, Ian, my brother and their family, they enjoyed it as well. So they enjoyed it so much, in fact, bear in mind that, you know, Ian's a bit more interested in what games we can play. His partner isn't, but 
you know, not as much. In fact, it was quite hard to... Com- and same goes for my other brother's partner. You know, they're not as much into games. So trying to get them interested in certain games is difficult. But this one seems to have just gone down well. The cutesy artwork, the simplicity of the rules, even though I have to explain half of these things to them a million times but and keep them in line when we're trying to draft in sync. But they get it, they can play it, and they enjoy it. So that's a good thing. In fact, Ian and Nat enjoyed it so much and they thought the kids would like it as well that I bought them a copy. So yes, I did the very generous thing of thinking, well, I was going to buy some wine to thank them for hosting us, but I never got a chance to find a wine bar or anywhere that sold wine. So, well, outside of a supermarket, but I wanted to buy decent wine. And the problem was I thought, oh, I need to get them a gift. So when they said they wanted to buy it, I thought, well, why don't I do it for you? I know where to get it at its cheapest rate. So I bought them a copy of Sushi Go Party along with a side order of bags because I do not use their organizer in here. In fact, is there a picture of the organizer in here? It's not particularly good. Yeah, I mean, they've... Well, they've cut some slots out, this person here, so it's a little bit different, but it's basically just a plastic insert with you know, the cards in line and they just fall over, they get damaged. The way I do it though, which is a it's a bit more messy, but it works for me, is that I basically bag up every single card set along with its tile. So basically I go, right, am I playing with soy sauce? Well, there's the soy sauce bag. You know, there's the nigiri bag and things like that. Yeah, it's a bit more messy, but at least it means I can easily find the cards and put them away again. And also keep some spare sleeves because some of them are starting to split. But I basically bought them sleeves as well because with two kids, you can imagine that it's going to get uh, damaged easily. So yeah, I hope they enjoy that when it arrives. But yeah, Sushi Go Party always works nicely with me. Uh, The other game I took up there was this one. Now, I didn't play this with the family per se, and that's kind of a cheat. But I did play the solo game of this, Lady and the Tiger. And I do enjoy the solo game in this. It's a nice little puzzle. I have not had a chance to try the other games yet, but I have learned the rules to them now. So hopefully I can take it to my games club and play it this week on Wednesday or Tuesday. But the solo game worked very well with their son, you know, one of their sons. I showed it to them. Easy enough rules. He got it fine. You know, a few tactics needed to be learned, but, you know, that's the same with any kid playing any game. And he enjoyed it so whether they'll get a copy of this one i don't know i don't know if i can find specifically the horde game because the pictures oh no here it is yeah here's a picture of it so with horde best way to try and describe it is that you have these four cards uh, red tiger blue tiger red lady blue lady and you're trying to get the blue and red treasures off them but the cards dictate which cards you're allowed to manipulate and you can't remove treasures until you get rid of the white and black trash gems but the only way to get rid of the white and black trash gems is to get them in pairs white and black on a card and then when the card comes up remove them in pairs so you basically have to manipulate the gems to and from the various lady and tiger cards in order to set yourself up so that you can get rid of the trash and get rid of those treasures you've got three rounds to do it and after each round one of the cards goes away permanently so you're left with less options it's just a nice simple puzzle game he enjoyed it he even won it by the skin of his teeth on one game you know which was really touch and go but i like it and i'm interested to try out the other car the games in this because for something that cost me 12 13 pound for 18 cards with beautiful artwork that didn't cost me much to sleeve it it's just a nice little game it's one of those little micro sized games that really probably deserves a little bit more love than it actually got right now this one didn't work as well and this one i probably should have realized this one going in even though i love this game and that's on the underground on the underground great game Love this game. This is from Ludi Creations. It's a reprint of an older game that came out, I think, 2006. Didn't get much buzz. But this one with its shiny new cover. I mean, look at that. That is a gorgeous, stark cover here. Look at that. Lovely colors and everything. From Sebastian Bleasdale, London and Berlin map. But I really like this game. I mean, this, I think, is a tabletopia rendition of it. But you're basically building networks on the London map, trying to kite this passenger around so that they use your networks as they visit all the locations. But this is the laziest passenger in the world. This passenger basically wants to take the easiest route to anywhere. And easy means taking, le- doing less walking. So even if the station's literally only one stop away on foot, if they can ride a network to go all the way around the entire London metro map without ever walking, they'll take that route. So everybody is trying to goad them into it. And it just creates such a good amount of tactical decision making because you can't, 
you can't strategize that much in this game. Yes, you can build up a network to think, oh yeah, this is pretty good and later on he's going to visit that side of the map, but you've got to kind of react to how the board develops and it's a brilliant game. I think I've I think I've reviewed it. I'm not sure. Have I reviewed this game? I'll have to check, but it's it just works so nicely as a tactical game. But there was a problem. My I played this with my other brother and his wife, and the brother didn't mind it, but he APs quite a lot in games, and this one kind of threw him for a loop because you have a lot of options that you can do, and it didn't quite play out as easily as I thought it would be for it. The wife, on the other hand, pretty much decided after five turns she wasn't a fan of the game. Unfortunately, she has a habit of doing that with most games, and so does uh, my other brother's wife. Well, I don't know why they were so why the wives in our group are so quick to judge a game literally after four or five turns. I mean, granted, there are a lot of games I hate. I probably will not like certain train games, but I will play the games. I mentioned on the Board Game Geek Top 100, actually, uh, I've not played Mombasa or Troyes, but I will play them. I mean, Mombasa is a heavy game by Alexander Pfister. I don't have a great reputation with those sort of games, apart from Maracaibo, but I will try it. I will give it the benefit of the doubt before I make a judgment call. And if someone wants to show me Mombasa, I'll play it. You know, every game should be played at least once fully before you judge whether it's the game for you. And even then, you can't review a game, really, until you've played it several times because you need to understand more about it. But I certainly got to try it. But yep, it turns out I do have a review of On the Underground. It was uh, December 2019, literally two days before Christmas, that I did a full review of it. So if you want to check out more details on On the Underground, check out my review. But I really enjoyed this game, but the wife, the the brother's wife really did not. I mean, it, it just, she didn't quite understand what was going on. It creates a lot of tactical play that you need to be aware of. It's hard to judge exactly where, you know, this guy's going to go easily or like whether your network should build out this way or that way. And it just made me realize, oh yeah, even though that this basically is ticket to ride levels of rules to teach you, it is definitely a gamer game in terms of the tactical thought that you have to employ every round. And I think that was just a bit too much for them to handle. Bear in mind, I have to teach my family very simplistic games. So as much as this is an easy game to teach, I don't recommend it as a gateway level game. And I don't recommend it as a, you know, like a family weight game of families that are not used to games. I think this is more just a cool gamers game. That is relatively light, but still makes you think. And it's still a brilliant game, but just I think I took it to the wrong audience. Okay, next up. Now, this one, at first, they were not too keen on it because Jade played... Uh, sorry, the, my brother's partner played uh, Dixit with us, and we all love Dixit. You know, my other brother and his wife, his wife adores Dixit, you know, but unfortunately, my elder brother's wife... Uh, oh, sorry, partner did not take to Dixit at all. Like, she hated it within about two turns of the game, which bugged me a little, but we'll get more onto that in a minute. Uh, but we did try Hive Mind, and at first, they didn't sound like they were going to be keen on it, the ones who had not played it before. But this is one of the most underrated party games ever. I mean, this is ranked you know, 3,271 on Board Game Geek, and it is a crime that it is rated that low. Richard Garfield did this one, uh, Kalupi Games pr promoted it, but this is a great party game. It goes down well with so many people, and I don't get why it didn't get much more love. This is basically the opposite of Scattergrease. Scattergrease had you trying to come up with answers to questions different from other players. This one wants you to come up with answers that you think the other players will also put down, hence hive mind. And there's no winner there's no winner in this. Essentially, you have to avoid getting kicked out of the hive. So this hive here on the screen enables you to you start at the top. You slowly get kicked out and you're trying to not get kicked out of the welcome mat there because as soon as you do, game ends, you lose and that's it. There's no winners. It's just a case of don't get kicked out. All the while, this queen bee is moving around the board dictating how many players will get kicked out if they do badly in the round. But the crux of this game is that you have these cards with all sorts of questions like three things at a funeral, five things you put in your pocket, six things in the night sky, three ways to fill in the blank. I thought I was drinking water, but it was whatever. And you, uh, what is the best color? And you can make up your own. But you, one person reads this out and everybody tries to write down answers that they think the whole group will put down. So common answers, not necessarily clever answers and certainly not their personal opinions. And some of that really comes on. I mean, there's a, what are, who in this picture here, uh, 
Who are four overrated actresses? Well, I know who I can think of who are overrated actresses, but uh, does that mean the rest of the group will agree? It's a difficult one to call. And essentially, they get read out, and you get a point for everybody, including yourself, who wrote it down. The lower points, depending on where the Queen Bee landed, will get kicked down a notch. The higher ones will stay where they are. And it's just a case that you've got to try and think like everyone else. But this causes so much funny discussion. I mean, you can play this between 3 and 12 players. It works better with more players, but... 12 is a bit much, but certainly playing this with anywhere between four to eight players, I think is a pretty good uh, benchmark. It takes a little while to play sometimes, you know, maybe about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour tops, but ah, oh, generates so much good debate because you'll have somebody there going like, ah, oh, free things at a funeral, um, da, 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 hearse. Well, nobody put hearse down. Well, oh, come on. And it creates that kind of like frust- like ha- fun frustration in people as they're sort of going, you know, I, I mean, I had one question. Uh, what's one of the first things that comes to mind when you think of Rome, right? First thing I put down was Romans. No one else put Romans. It's in the title. Seriously. I mean, how could you not put Romans down? And it creates that but then you get the fun times when people agree with each other and then listening to other people's stupid answers like my brother at the same time misunderstood the question and thought it was oh i thought we were talking about ancient rome because he's into like history and stuff like that i mean his wife's a history teacher go figure but he thought it was ancient rome so he came up with all these like particular things that were ancient rome specific it's just like you're on your own, Kieran. One point. Aim point. <laughs> What's one point in Italian? I don't know, but it's a. Uh, it was just great to listen to like some of the banter going round, and you know it it creates fun arguments. Nobody's ever getting riled up in this game. You know, you public vote as to whether something's allowable or not. But I find that this game just works so well as a family game, as a gamers party game. People I've shown it to have been pleasantly surprised about how you know interesting and fun it is. We even trolled the owner of Dice Portsmouth with this. I remember we... Uh, have I got time to talk to you about this story? Half an hour has already passed? Yeah, why not? Uh, we trolled the owner of Dice Portsmouth. Me, the other owner, and a friend of ours. And basically, we had a question saying, three methods of communication. And... Yeah, we the guy had to go away because this was at a Dice Portsmouth event before they set up the cafe where he had to welcome guests who had turned up for the event. So while he was gone, we all discussed, the other three of us, uh, what answers we were going to put down. And we were going to come up with some really weird, obscure methods of communication just to troll him. So when he got back, we got him to start off after we did the two-minute timer. And there's a two-minute timer, but you really don't need to bother with the timer. Nobody ever runs out of time really writing down these clues. And... We got him to go first, and he came up with, like, phone, talking, you know, email, you know, the general forms of communication. And all the while, not only have we not written those down, but we were also making comments like, I don't really find myself calling anybody these days. I mean, who uses their phone to call anybody now? It's a smartphone. And we made up these excuses, which got him like, okay, what's going on here? But it got better, because... We then got the other owner of Dice Sportswear to read out the free answers we'd all previously agreed on. And I forget what the first one was. I think it was something stupid like tin can and string or something. But, you know, whatever. You know, a really weird form of communication. But we were going to up the scale, up the ante each time. So the next two are even worse. But we all put it down. And it's just like... Really? That was the first one? And you can just see the look on his face slowly degrade into madness as we're reading these out. The second one was smoke signals. And we was like, oh yeah, yeah, smoke signals. I mean, the first thing I was watching Robinson Crusoe the other day, it just instantly sprung to mind. And I've used smoke signals in the past, set it up in my garden, it's all pretty good. And it's just like, okay, hang on a minute, what is going on here? This is not right. And it's like, he's at the pinnacle of madness. And then the third one, as soon as we read it out, which was xemaphore, as in the flags that you get at airports and navy ships he just basically like okay what it was almost like table flippery time it was okay what is this what is going on you are trolling me guys and it's like we burst out laughing we told him the whole story and he was cool with it but yeah i mean we <laughs> we got him good we got him good and it just it, some of the stuff like that just happens with hive mind give it more love people seriously give this one a look in fact i made it so popular that they even bought a copy for the dice Portsmouth Library. I think one of I think one of the guys who worked there enjoyed it as well. I showed it to people and they're sort of like, oh yeah, this would be perfect for the library. Sadly, I don't think it will get played much because people don't recognize what the game is. But seriously, if there's a big group of people and they want a party game, I'm gonna show them this. It's just gonna happen. 
Hey, is there anything else I want to show? Probably not, because I already mentioned the free before. So, but let's see. We can carry on this podcast for another 10 minutes, I say. Others will probably drag on a bit longer, knowing me, because I don't know when to shut up. But let's have another sip of coffee first. Mm. Nice coffee. Right. The main other thing was that I want to talk about is the difference talking with families. So, yeah, this one can be a little bit problematic shall we say because some people's families are gamers and they function just like every other gamer which is fine great you know perfect but the majority of cases particularly in my case is that playing with the family is very very different to playing with gamers and a lot of that comes down to etiquette because we as gamers have kind of unwritten rules of how we should act towards each other playing games they're not necessarily set in stone but you kind of realize yeah Doing that kind of makes you look like a jerk or give some respect to whoever's doing this because this is the game they've brought. And we have this ingrained into our minds. Family members and new gamers don't have this way of thinking. And if you're a bit too much into it, you could get riled up. And my family is already very competitive, but they also know how to twist my gears a little bit. They know the best way to wind me up and tick me off, you know, in a fun way, but not in a mean way, but they know how to, what's the word? They know how to push me buttons and all families like that, I guess. And so I'm trying to teach games and I'm realizing that, yeah, I've got to drown out the fact that these are not gamers. These are my family members. Therefore, they're not going to follow the same rules. It's going to be harder to teach them the games. And you're probably going to find them doing stupid things during games that you know, most gamers wouldn't do. But they're your family. You can't choose your family. I love them to bits. I love them with all my heart. But yeah, playing games with them can be both fun but also quite frustrating. <laughs> I mean, firstly, several of them are quite prone to analysis paralysis. And you know, if you haven't checked out my board game glossary to know what that means please do but you know they take a while to think about their turns even with simple stuff like sushi go party i mean we might have already finished drafting the card and my one of my brothers will be there still thinking about his turn it's like seriously kieran you've, you've you know you've got to look at you know a dumpling an eel and a maki roll just pick one you know and, and but then i need to be more respectful for the fact that they're not used to games and therefore wouldn't necessarily pick them up as quick which is fine that's on me but there's other little things that uh, they do, which, like I say, it may sound like I'm ragging on them, but no, I love my family the bits. But this is kind of like a teaching tool to others out there as well as kind of like a self-awareness tool. But one of the things that they really were pushing my buttons on, it really got me going on a couple of nights when I was already a little stressed or maybe probably had too much to drink, was the fact that when you're with gamers, you typically have this ingrained in your mind that you, to put it not too bluntly but you basically shut up when the guy is teaching games you know when the the rules teacher is teaching games sorry and with this you know basically if someone is teaching you a game they brought it out they laid it out you keep quiet for the rules explanation you ask questions if you need to but you don't chime in interrupting the guy you don't like jump in to introduce rules yourself while they're teaching someone who hasn't played the game before you keep quiet and you let them teach and if they ask a question, you can help, but then just be quiet. And we know this as gamers. And, you know, it riles me up whenever people do interrupt. But then if someone else is teaching the game to me, I don't then try and chime in with stupid comments. And if someone's teaching the game to someone else who hasn't played the game, but I know it, I let them teach. I don't, unless they get a rule wrong, I don't interrupt and say, oh yeah, but this happens. And they were constantly doing it and it really gets my goat. I'm trying to teach a game, which I know is probably going to have a fair few rules for them. But then it'll be like, oh yeah, but uh, if you do this and this happens and, and then someone else will chime in because you should probably check out these cards because if you do that, then you can get a strategic level on your opponent. It's like, they don't need to know this yet. I haven't even taught them the turn sequence yet. And then, you know, I'll try and carry on. It's like, can I carry on teaching? Yeah, Good. And then I'll carry on, right, right. And your round ends at this point, and then we go on for three more rounds, and then the game ends where we total up points, including the puddings, where we total up points in this way. You know, you, you know, I'm going through it in methodical stages. But then during that, you know, they may chime in with a, oh yeah, but if you um, uh, wink with one eye and then lean over a little bit and it's Tuesday with a high moon, then you, full moon even, and you know, if that happens, then you get to rip up a card and dance like a chicken or something. You know, I'm, I'm introducing stupid rules here, but it's that kind of thing. It's like, look, seriously, I'm trying to teach it to them in 
decent stages. I know how to teach games. You chiming in with random tactical and strategic tips before they even understand what you're referencing does not help the player learn the game. And it got me riled and a little bit angry, but, you know, they were basically doing it deliberately to push my buttons because they realized it was ticking me off. They know that I take games a bit more seriously than they do. So, you know, you got to be a little bit careful, I think, with new gamers, but even just your family specifically, because they will generally push your buttons more than a complete stranger will. And sometimes you just got to be aware that it's going to be a little bit more stressful doing it, but you'll get a good reward out of it because they'll play the game, hopefully like it, and then you get to see, ah, oh, that, that cool look on their face as they say, oh yeah, you know, this game was fun. I'd like to try it some more. And it's like, great. You, you remind me of what I was like when I first got into gaming. I'm trying to find other characteristics as well. I mean, we... Oh yeah, I mentioned about the two girls judging the game too harshly too early. That gets on my go as well because... I will dislike games, but I'll play them first, usually multiple times, but I will certainly maybe have my first impressions after a first game. But these were basically like, oh, I've played it two rounds and it's like, I'm not getting this. I don't like it. This is a rubbish game, you know? And it's like, seriously, are you doing this to just tick me off or are you actually being serious here? Because as gamers, I would like to hope I don't play games with people who judge the games so quickly. Like, you know, two turns into it. One of them didn't like on the underground and we barely played five turns. Not five rounds, five turns. Barely anything has happened during that point and they're already declaring it as a hated game. Seriously, play it. Put the effort in and at least put the time in to like try and get used to the game. If you still hate it after you've played a game of it, then fine. But don't make a big deal out about it. Don't wreck the game for other people. And certainly don't, you know, judge it so quickly because you'll be surprised what you can come across. In fact, Hivemind was a great example to this because a couple of people that already, the same people who didn't like Dixit much, had already thought, you know, this one I'm not exactly going for either. But they were quick to chime in with interesting, funny comments and there was laughter across the whole table. So I think they changed their tune a little bit once we got to the end. Maybe they don't necessarily love the game that much, but certainly they don't hate it anymore. So, you know, you got to give games a chance, even if you think, oh, it may not be for me. I mean, I still do that with train games. I asked my friend to teach me uh, Mini Express or whatever it was, the new kickstarted like mini game. And I played it. I still find it boring. But it's simple, it's quicker, it basically is a lot better than playing like a full 18xx game, but it is basically just 18xx distilled down to 45 minutes. So it's still boring stock manipulation and, oh, I laid a train here and dividends from this. It's like, oh, whatever, I don't care. So I don't like the game. But at least I tried it before I made that judgment. And, you know, it does irk me when people are a little bit too quick off the mark to sort of say your game is trash. You know, it's like, well, you're not making it fun for us to teach you a game if you're just blatantly every turn saying, I don't like this game. It's like, come on, you know, a bit more respectful. But again, family versus gamers, different breed, different styles. Again, if you're lucky enough to have gamers who are family, then fantastic. You know, you're in a good place. But for me, I've got to take it easy because my family played board games, but they've been so used to the monopolies, the 80s games, you know, the stuff we used to play. They have not seen all this modern stuff. They don't know the deal with this. You know, it took them a while to get used to Ticket to Ride. But once they did, they had a better appreciation for the stuff I do and that. And so I have to be careful with the rules I teach. They've got to be simple games. Like I think Catan would be, Catan I think would be too complicated for my family to learn. And this was one of the early 90s gateway games of choice. But I just think it would throw them for a loop too much. I don't think they would get into it. But, you know, I've tried other ones as well. They don't like co-op games, so Pandemic's out of the question, despite my brother trying to make that one a thing. But, yeah, it, it was decent enough time, and we had some good fun playing games, and it was great that they latched onto Sushi Go Party with, like, you know, a lot of adoration, and they enjoyed Hive Mind, and they still like Baron Park, Ticket to Ride, and Splendor, so there's still some games I can teach them that they do really like. And oh yeah, I think we talk them, I taught a few of them Love Letter. And I don't know what the parents thought of it. I think they were fine with it. Um, not my parents, uh, my elder brother and his partner. But their kids seemed to like it. They enjoyed it enough and maybe they can grab that. It's a cheap little game, but uh, that seemed to go down pretty well. So yeah, different strokes for different folks. But <clears throat> there is just that thing where, you know, I've got to be a little bit careful 
I admit, for when I'm teaching family versus teaching gamers, because it is teaching two very different groups of people in terms of attitudes and experience, and it's a learning curve for me to understand the best way to go about it, but you know, it's just some advice for you people out there as well. If you normally game with other people and your family are new to this sort of thing, you need to be willing to maybe just tweak the way you do things, tweak the way you teach, tweak the, your attitudes to them. You know, don't start labeling them as like, oh, you're the analysis paralysis person, you're the slow player, you're the min-maxer. They're not going to understand it. And to be frank, you don't want to put them off the hobby. So these are kind of attitudes you need to avoid. And, you know, with my family, you know, they're, they're just putting my buttons for a laugh and they know that I mean well. But, you know, even I've got one or two things to learn. So we're up to 45 minutes. I think that's a good time to start wrapping up the podcast. Uh, in terms of further video content, I already mentioned the Citadels and the Ticket to Ride comparison. I will get on with the board game glossary part three soon. Uh, the top 100, I am still debating as to whether to do it as videos or live stream, but so far people last night were saying that they would prefer a live stream. So I'll see. I've put up a poll on the channel. So if you go to my YouTube community page, you'll see a poll. Please put your votes in because I would like to find out for that pretty soon. But I'm still barely halfway through the ranking process because it takes a long time to rank 180 plus games. And soon I will get that list together and start putting the top 100 done. So before the end of this month, I should be getting that underway. But also in terms of reviews... Not a lot of games have come out recently, sadly. I mean, I do have to do a quick video on these Deckscape games I've got. I've got two of them I need to play through. I've already played one Deckscape. I enjoyed it fine, but I want to play through these two and basically just do a quick video on what Deckscape is like in general, because frankly, I don't expect there's going to be a lot of difference between them apart from a story nobody cares about. But just to sort of talk about what they're like as escape room games. But I also have a game that I've had on my shelf for ages in shrink wrap that I've never got around to playing, which is this one, Alabari, a nice cup of tea. Now, Snowdonia is okay for me. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but this one might be a better version. I'd like to try it. The problem is the reason why it's in shrink wrap is because I got this literally the day, like about a week into isolation. So there was no way to play it. Now, granted, I could have played the solo mode and I still will, but... I didn't want to make my review just purely the solo mode. So I figured I'd bide my time, just keep it on the shelf until I was ready. And now that I can go back to the Dice Portsmouth and play games, I think I need to get this one out, learn the rules to it, and you know get it played properly with other people as well as solo. So this will take a little while to get going because I obviously need to play it in that. But you know that is definitely going to come in the future. Uh, on top of that, I can also say that I've got... Sorry, I hope you can hear me. There you go. I've got Glasgow in the post recently. This is the two-player little city builder game. Will it be any good? I have no idea. I mean, the title and the cover certainly isn't winning me over, but uh, Glasgow City, I went to with my ex-girlfriend, and, you know, it was a nice place, once you get inside the city centre, that is. And maybe this will be good, I don't know. But it's a two-player game, so I need to find a situation where I can get a two-player game to the table. Hopefully a friend of mine can help me out with that, or maybe I can just go to the cafe and just find some random who wants to play a new game, I don't know. But I will try and get that one done in the future. But the big highlight, this is the real highlight. Ooh. Portal Games, Ignacy Trevorjack has kindly sent me a review copy, as well as other people, I suspect, of Detective Season 1. This is a standalone expansion to Detective. Three cases, you do not need the other one. You do not need that. I checked. It's got all the components here, because what they've essentially done is got the same mechanics with the modern database, but they've streamlined it. So you no longer have a stress mechanic. You no longer have uh, a complicated time system. It's now 24 hours, not 24. It's not like hours on several days with stress and overtime. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, there's less cards, I think, in each deck, although maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. But they're meant to be kind of like 90 minute cases. So three cases, 90 minutes, probably longer, two, two and a half hours if you've got a group of you. Probably for me, 60 to 90 minutes for a solo game. But I'm excited to try this because more detective content, I'm up for it. But if this is a good standalone game and they've simplified some of the rules, this could potentially be the first call for anyone be playing detective because the detective campaign is a five campaign 
five module campaign beast of a game that's like expert mode if this is easier to do then maybe it could be really good i don't know but i'm looking forward to playing these ones but we're not allowed to talk about it much more in terms of review until september the first there is an embargo on the game because it's being released in mid-september so i will try and get a video ready up and running on september the first for that day to give my full review of it so we'll shall see but yeah, that sounds about right. So if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, then please leave a like and a review on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. It would be great. Get it out there. Share it about. And if you want to check out more stuff on the YouTube channel, then by all means, visit it. Check out the glossaries. Check out the streams. Check out the reviews I've done recently. And you know, like, subscribe, ring the bell for notifications. That would be appreciated. And of course, find me on Facebook and Twitter. Check me out on Patreon. The Patreon has had some, you know, some uprising recently, and I've just recently revamped the page slightly to make the goals a bit more realistic, but also to change the tiers and the benefits. I've set up a Discord server where you can now go to chat, play games, do what you like. If I'm there, I'll hang out. But if not, then you know you can hang out with other Patreons. That'd be pretty cool. And yeah, just generally. Trying to make it so that I put more Patreon-only content out, like voting polls for content, top 10 lists. If you're if you're a certain tier, you can vote on what top 10 lists I'm doing, and I'll put those on polls. Uh, and if I can get to the next goal, which is allowing me to, I think, $200 a month, if I can get to that goal, then I will let the Patreons pick a game either from my collection or buy one. You know, I will buy one out of Patreon funds to do a Patreon-only video on. So talk about the game quickly, do a very quick review of it or a full-fledged review on the channel if they want me to. You know, I'll leave it to the Patreons to decide. But if it's a full-fledged video, it will probably be on the channel and not Patreon only. But if it's a quick video, then yeah, I'll probably just post it on the Patreon and leave it at that. And that could be some interesting content for the future. But we need to reach that goal first. I think I'm about $30 off it. So, you know few extra Patreons could make that possible. But yeah, I'm going to sign off now, get this edited and uploaded for today, and then get on with some dinner, maybe go to the gym after, uh, maybe go to the gym first, and then come back for some dinner. We'll have to see. But I've also got to play Stellaris later with some friends, uh, which I shall finish off my wine bottle for that. Uh, yeah, no rest for... No rest for me, unfortunately. There's always something that needs doing. And, oh yeah, I've just spent the day assembling four folded space inserts as well. I've got videos for them coming out soon. They will not be live streams like the E-Raptor one. I wasn't happy the way those turned out. So they will just be recorded videos. Same format, but just recorded, not live. And I will put those out as and when. I've got Fields of Arl, Caverner with the expansion, Fields of Arl with the expansion, Roleplayer with both expansions, and Underwater Cities with the expansion. I've got those inserts. I look forward to seeing if they do well. But that's it. I'm going to wrap up this podcast. So thank you for listening. Take care, whatever it is you're doing, whatever country you're in. Love you all. And remember, as always, it's only a game. Take care and enjoy gaming with friends, gamers, or family, whoever. See you soon.